everyone uh, to our Young Critics program. This week, uh, Emma Corrigan, Alana Brent, and Colin Colton are going to talk about two animations. One recent Irish animation, Wolf Walkers, which unfortunately hasn't really run through the cinemas here because of the pandemic, but it's available on Apple TV. And an older film or animation called Princess Mononoke in Studio Ghibli. So I'll hand it over to Alana, Colin, and Emma. Thanks, Erica. Well, as she said, we're talking about Wolf Walkers and Princess Mononoke. What did what did you guys think of the film first? Like when you watched, was this your first time watching it? Yeah, it was my first time watching both of them. But I've seen a couple of Studio Ghibli movies before. I haven't seen anything from Cartoon Saloon, so like Wolf Walkers was my first time watching something from then. But overall, like I really enjoyed both of them. I thought they were really good, although I was kind of about 20 minutes into Wolf Walkers and I was like, I'm literally watching pretty much the same story except told in different animations. But like, I didn't mind. I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting how the, how they ended up being the two movies that we chose. I'm Most actually similar. the opposite of you, Lana. Really? I have, I, that was my first time. I'm actually angry at myself. That was the first time I've ever watched a Studio Ghibli film. Um, I've Cartoon Saloon I've watched before, but um, I'm I'm shocked. And the last two weeks, I've been nonstop watching like all the films. I'm getting a whole Studio Ghibli education. And yes, I thought they were so good. Nice, nice. Um, should we maybe go over just a brief synopsis of what happens in both the films, just to give an idea? Yeah, say just like a little quick summary just for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it and might be interested in watching it. I will, yeah, I'll try and I'll try and tackle uh, what Princess Mononoke is essentially about a young man who is cursed by a uh, diseased god, a god diseased by rage and anger. And he goes on a, uh, a journey to find the cure for the curse. And that's the essential element of it. That pretty much sums it up for me anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I think they're very similar. If you came to Wolfwalkers, it's about a young girl, Robin Goodfellow, and her father, who's a hunter, is kind of her inspiration in life. She wants to be exactly like him. And there's a lot of feminism in that film in that sense. Um, she is veering towards something that her society at the time doesn't accept for her. So the whole plot of the animation begins when she escapes from the town and goes out to hunt the wolves in the forest that everyone in her town is trying to cut down. And then she meets a wolf walker, which is a rare occasion for anyone to see. And the nicest part of this animation to me is that she forms a really nice friendship with Maeve. And so they both help each other throughout the film in their own struggles and difficulties that they find themselves in. And that brings us along the rest of the film. And yeah, it's really nice to see. Yeah, you're touching upon the similarities there you mentioned and it's interesting to think in Princess Mononoke, he meets Princess Mononoke and it's kind of a similar thing where Hesitake might be more from a civilised world, more from the kind of man's world and then he meets Princess Mononoke who is more about more of the natural world and it's kind of of the same thing as in Wolfwalkers that that's happening and it's all through certain touch, a certain kind of curse or whatnot. And it's nice because the two protagonists in both films bring the plot together, that theme of nature versus man or man versus God. And they're kind of the only two peacemakers in the whole film. Well, to me, that's what I kind of see. And their morals are more of a correct place other than some of the other characters in the film. So that is why they're so important. 
Yeah, and what I found as well is that with Ashitaka and Robin, they're the only characters in their respective films that have kind of experienced both worlds that are in the film. Like Robin mm-hmm. has experienced both kind of the civilized world of inside the town, and in her brief encounters with Maeve, she's experienced the world of spirits and nature. And same with Ashitaka, he's experienced being from a civilized village, but he's also experienced again the world of spirits and nature in his brief encounters with Princess Mononoke. Yeah, there's a quote from the film that I was laughing at when someone in Princess Mononoke asked Lady Abashi about Ashitaka, what side is he on? And to me, he's not really on a side. He has loyalties to both sides, but he's kind of the peacemaker of the whole thing. He mentions so many times like, oh, I just want peace in the world. Despite the fact that the whole reason he's there in the first place is for a completely different reason. And that kind of shows his type of character. Like not many people would just go out of their way, you know, he leaves because of the curse from the demonic boar and it seems near the end like such a minor part of the plot if you get what i mean yeah it sets him off on the journey but by about halfway through the film that's not what he's seeking anymore so in both films there is a man versus nature element where in wolf walkers the protector is trying to kill all the wolves and cut down the forest and in princess mononoke the same thing is happening they're chopping down the forest and trying to kill all the gods uh, including the main god which is essentially mother nature itself so it's interesting to have come across those kind of similar themes but i wonder where the differences are then because there are differences. I think before we go on there, it's worth mentioning that when we chose these two films, I think Circa picked Princess Mononoke. We never realised these similarities were in both films. And it, it was such a surprise when we started watching them. And I think that also shows that even despite these two films coming from like different ends of the world, we all throughout the world have quite similar morals and quite similar ideas. And even the difference in like Princess Mononoke is from 1997. So that was what, 20 years ago. And that shows the timelessness of it. Nothing has really changed in the ideas we have about the world. Mm. The um, both films touch upon a spirituality and kind of magic and that kind of thing. So that's, a, yeah, as you say, it's just a totally timeless concept. But yeah, a very accidental that we came across <laughs> that because we did not plan that at all in <laughs> films. But they do do it in slightly different ways. And I wonder, is it a personal thing between the, the creators? Is it just a kind of individual thing? Or is it a, a cultural thing? Where, in my view anyway, Princess Mononoke was a, a very kind of broad film. Obviously, it's focusing on a single story, but it seems like we're getting more of a glance at the entire world and how that works. And Wolf Walkers is a little bit more of a private story within a world. We don't really get to see how the entire world works, just this one little place. I suppose that kind of shows Ireland's perspective on the whole world or how we see Ireland. Like when we're living in Ireland, we don't really notice it. But to other countries, we're like a tiny wee island and our problems might seem miniature compared to other problems in the world, but they are the same. We are at the moment battling, we talked about it the last day about global warming and other problems like that, where we're not actually appreciating what we have in the world. I don't know what the directors um, were thinking, but I think they definitely had that intention when they were making the film. It wasn't very obvious, but there was that, you know, um, appreciating what you have, things in it, and the ongoing battle between man and nature in the world. Um, Will we go on then? Colm, you were talking about the differences between the films and that they did them a bit different. Do you want to... Well, that's kind of what I was talking about, is that kind of difference. And 
as you say, it is a very Irish thing to have. I, I feel like we are a really personal nation, but I'm not, I'm not sure about Japan. And I know that I did a little bit of research on their mythology. And I know that their mythology is quite broad in that it comes from a lot of different places. Like, you know, it comes from China, it comes from Korea, you know. So it, I wonder, is that part of what makes it so big? I suppose that was the main difference that I was thinking. Were there anything that you guys noticed? For me, with Wolf Walkers, I mentioned this last week as well when we were like planning the podcast, is that obviously with like Studio Ghibli and Japan, they do all their kind of cartoons that way. Whereas in Ireland, we don't have like a cultural thing with animation. And one thing that I loved about Wolf Walkers, and I haven't seen any other cartoon saloon films, but I did watch the trailers for the rest of them. What I noticed is that the animation is very similar to like Celtic drawings and paintings. So Cartoon Saloon is like tying in the Celtic culture, which we've kind of lost um, last hundred years or so. And they're kind of bringing it back. And also with Wolf Walkers, bringing back the idea of spirits and all that. So I like how Cartoon Saloon's kind of now giving Ireland like a staple animation, if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, I just forgot as well, another part of our culture that's kind of shining through in our animations, because Cartoon Saloon are quite distinct and similar to Studio Ghibli, but there was also the Irish language represented in Wolf Walkers, just a few minor lines, but they stood out to me so much, just as someone who's felt like we have been drained of our culture in that way, but we're still kind of fighting to take it back. And that's what I love about what Cartoon Saloon are doing. It wasn't necessary to put the Irish language in, but it was just such a nice touch, kind of said, this is an Irish film. And that those Celtic um, symbols, like the circles and spirals throughout the imagery in Wolf Walkers, and even in The Breadwinner and um, Song of the Sea, etc., they really make the animation unique to Ireland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, even when you're thinking about the magic in, in the two of those, magic is, magic is essentially symbolism. And that that's how we understand things in the world that we don't have an explanation for. And symbolism is, is often cultural, mostly cultural. You know, it's, it's, it's created by us. So I think in that journey of, of trying to seek out that and kind of get into our cultural roots a bit more, magic is like that thing that really helps us get there, you know? I think that's why it's one of the good things it was like animated as, as well, because if it was live action, it wouldn't capture that same magic. Yeah, uh, even with like colours and symbols in the film, you can ju- you're can you starting from scratch when you make an animation and everything you put in the animation has to mean something. Um, both films had that grey town, it like to kind of symbolised sort of an industrial revolution happening. But then there was both forests that were green and even possibly, I think it was Robin and Maeve who talked about the freedom of being out in the forest. So that's yeah, the that's type of stuff that's so important in animation. Absolutely. I had a theory of why is it that animation actually, it's just, it's it's so effective at at explaining or representing magic. And my thought was like, when you're looking at an animation, you're looking at a kind of a representation or maybe more of an artistic representation of something. And it allows you to be able to see something as the symbolic thing rather than as the, the thing in itself. I think when we see an object you know, like a photograph or we see a tree in real life, we tend to just see the tree. But if we see a painting of a tree done in a specific way, we see so much more. So much more meaning to it. It's yeah. like we see the soul of it. You know, there's something something in it and we're, we're left to be able to com- try and comprehend that and try and ponder upon that. 
Yeah, I guess that's why there's so much to talk about when it comes to both these films. There's so much meaning behind everything compared to a live action. Like the tree wasn't that put there for no reason, if you get me. Like they, the animators did such a good job um, that every single aspect of um, both animations meant something. Um, and last week we actually had a discussion and we all had like different perspectives on the film. And then I kind of pointed out that that was the power of these films that we could all watch it and take something different from it. That's the difference between these films and that kind of your classic film, Disney films, your Hollywood film. And I think you've hit upon that right there, Emma. It's just, there's not a one specific thing, way of seeing this film. You can look at it and say, this is the theme. And then I could say, well, no, this is the theme. And we're both actually right because they're both within that. And that's partly just due to absolutely like the creative teams who are involved in these films, you know? The people who made these specific films, they created something that was a lot deeper than your average story, I think. And that probably has something to do with the mythology, bringing in mythology, because mythology has such power. Yeah, and I, I don't actually, now that I think about it, I feel like we're kind of depending this whole thing on, because it's animation, it's getting this much credit. But I actually really credit Tom Murr and Hayao Miyazaki to their ability to tell these stories. Like, I don't think it is solely the animation. I think they just know how to tell a story and have it really layered and with so much depth in the story. That's what makes it good also. You know, you can have an animation, and Colin, you talked about it, like Disney, the Hollywood narrative, they have their, you know, animation happily ever after. And, you know, we can still have your happily ever after, but there's so much more depth to these films and there's so much more messages. Um, And I think that's why also these films are suited to not only just young, but older people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was thinking, because I think we thought of the question of who, who would you recommend this to? And I was thinking about that and I was saying, I don't think there's one person who I wouldn't recommend this to. I'd recommend it to my granddad, I'd recommend it to my dad, I'd recommend it to anyone with children of, of a certain age for maybe Princess Mononoke because it does have a Yeah, I'd, I'd put that like 13 and up. There's a lot of violence in Princess Mononoke, like 13 and up. But Wolf yeah. Walkers, I'd say you could kind of recommend to any age group. Yeah, PG, you know, parental guidance. That's that's all, that's that's what you'd say about them. Obviously, animation's really suited for for children because it's got that magical element. But there's also a lot of real world themes and 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 lessons and stuff like that in the films. Yeah, that's what I've noticed with animation, kind of like new an like animated films, is that obviously because like the kind of like grown ups or adults, they'd see it's animated and they'd be like, oh, like it's for kids. But a lot of kind of the new Pixar movies, especially Inside Out, they kind of find a way of introducing more mature themes to children. And that's one of the things that I, like, I do like about, about newer animation is like I can watch them with my cousins who are like 10 and I still enjoy them because like, I understand themes and I'm understanding the story. And like so are they, but they're understanding it in like a, in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I think films like these, like I, I would consider them as a, as a work of art because it can actually be appreciated by everyone. You know, it's not like yeah. just a story that's telling a story and that's it. And so what, if you like the story, you'll like it. If you don't, you, you won't. But this is something completely different. There's so many different layers to it. 
Yeah, and like as on top of that, um, I feel like there's a lot of stigma around Disney films. And when adults or older people um, look at those films, they're like, no, like they won't watch it. But I think there's a loyalty to Studio Ghibli films. And when people see them, they they know that they're going to be good. Um, and Cartoon Saloon is more recent um, coming about than um, Studio Ghibli. But I feel like it's creating that sort of... Um, series and and that people are becoming loyal to those films because they are good and they know their children will get enjoyment out of them and they will also get enjoyment out of them and that's good to have absolutely well one of the reasons i wanted to watch wolf Walkers was because i realized it was a cartoon saloon film and i, I actually I, I didn't know the amount of films that they had made and realized that they had made all the animations that i know <laughs> from ireland you know <laughs> they really did kind of start that it, to me, anyway, they began that scene of real Irish animation, you know. Um, we talked a little bit about one of the things that was really different being that there wasn't really, and I know there was a, a, an antagonist, but even the villains in this film weren't so pure bad. Maybe in Wolfwalkers a little bit more. I think I think in Wolfwalkers we had the, the Lord Protector. I thought that was such a pretentious name to give yourself. Um Considering how how ironic it is, because he did nothing but well, you could say he protected them in some way, but his manner of doing that was a bit controversial, if you ask me. Well, it was all Oliver Cromwell. So. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like as an Irish person, you're just kind of like, well, you know, I, I won't go any further into that. You but came onto screen, I was like, that's Cromwell. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I know who that is. like him. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy this. Yeah, but then that was the strange thing about Princess Mononoke because with Disney animation and the Hollywood narrative, we're so used to going into a film, okay, who am I supposed to like here? You know, the protagonist, who am I supposed to hate? But with Princess Mononoke, I didn't know who I was supposed to hate. It wasn't just shoved in my face. Lady Ibashi, although she wanted to cut down her the forest, her morals and her reasoning, her intentions for doing that were actually to me in the right place she wanted to look after her people and the gods of the forest just wanted to look after their people and it's strange to see that in a film um, and that as I've you know kind of been educating myself in Studio Ghibli I've noticed that their films are nothing like Disney animation in that sense and um, they're very nice films to watch there is tension but there's not as much hate and yeah. bad versus good. Well, Miyazaki seems to, even though he creates such a bizarre and strange and original world, he does seem to touch upon reality in it. In that reality, often there aren't bad people. People don't generally think that they're bad. They're do, you know, they're doing what they think is right, and that's what we see in in Princess Mononoke. I suppose I really just, I really am realizing now that I didn't mean Wolfwalkers, and Wolfwalkers are kind of it. That their their antagonist is a lot more of a bad guy. One of the differences in them. Yeah, his attitude is what pushes Robin out of the town in the first place. It's dep- it depends on what way you look at it. I don't, I don't think he is that significant in it. He is significant, but I think the plot is kind of veers away to him altogether anyway. Yeah, the real antagonist in that, funnily enough, is the um, probably the dad, even though he's not doing it on purpose. He doesn't realise. He's just he, he's he's kind of like an ignorant antagonist. You know what I mean? I don't know. I forget. Alan, I think you had a word for him. Anti-hero. Yes, yeah, but he's the one who really puts the pressure on, on Robin to change because he's the one who actually has any, any kind of significance to her. 
it's interesting because um, he gets these ideas from the Lord Protector, if you get me. And in society, we are kind of shoved into what our life is supposed to be. We are told this by people who are always higher than us. Um, and we're never yeah. really left to figure out what we want out of our lives. Yeah. The more you think about it, kind of in both films now, since you said a column, I realised that there's no physical antagonist. Like what we said last week is that in Princess Mononoke, you think Lady Abashi is like the bad guy, but then we realise she's kind of more of an anti-hero. And in both films, we realise the antagonist is actually like greed and anger and like in Wolfwalk as well, like just ignorance, like Oliver Cromwell's ignorance for the Irish culture and how he just doesn't care. And in both films, there is more of an anti-hero. Like I'd say Robin's dad is an anti-hero. Like he obviously, he wants to protect her, but he's obviously scared but he also does kind of want her to live her own life, but he knows that she'll suffer the consequences of it. It's like he doesn't want to be the bad guy, but he kind of has to be the bad guy in her eyes. Yeah. Whereas in our, the audience watching it, we know why he's doing these things. Whereas like Robin, she's only like a 10-year-old girl. She doesn't fully understand the world and why she's had to move from England to Ireland and why she has to make this huge change. Exactly. So like there is no, yeah, there's no physical antagonist, but there are, but both films do have an, an anti-hero, which is something you don't see in bigger, in bigger Hollywood films. Like you said, Emma, you go into a film and you see, oh, hey, this is the good guy and this is the bad guy. Whereas in these two films, it's like, okay, I know this is the good guy, but I don't fully know who the bad guy is. What brings them together is just the idea of what can you learn from the films? And I think that's one of those things that these films bring to us is they actually can teach us a lesson. It's not just a story. Like, especially for young filmmakers like ourselves, like we know that now when we're writing future scripts or anything, that the bad guy doesn't have to be a physical person. It can be just like an underlying theme of the story. And that's what makes the audience think. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Makes us think, teaches us a little bit about life. It's all good, you know. All these I want from the film. That I'd like to show, you know, I'd, I'd show my kids these films over a lot of other ones, you know. I think just as we come to a close here, I thought since we are discussing both films, I want to know, I'm curious, I'm not going to ask what film you prefer because frankly I couldn't answer that myself. But we did discuss the fact that these films both have so many messages and if two people watch them, they'll get a different idea from both. So if you had to choose... If you only could watch one film for the rest of your life and you only had the option between Princess Mononoke and Wolfwalkers, what would it be? I'd go Wolfwalkers. <laughs> Sorry? Did you say I'd, Wolfwalkers? I'd Wolfwalkers. Yeah, I was thinking I did, yes. this myself and I think I actually... Do you know why? And we didn't actually touch on this. Um, it's because I feel like Wolfwalkers has more of an emotional connection because... You know, the friendship between Robin and Maeve, the fact that it's a friendship between two girls, we don't get that a lot in films. And yeah, a wee bit, but it's usually just an underlying thing. It's usually, you know, the love between two people, but it's never just a normal friendship at the main aspect of the film. Well, just to play devil's advocate now, I, I have to say Princess Mononoke. So uh, I, I do, I actually, I, I agree with your reasons. I, that is definitely, it definitely had more of an emotional effect on me, that film. But I think if I had one film to watch now, I, I, I feel like Princess Mononoke kind of goes over this broad, more of a kind of epic story. So if I imagine that I had one film to, to watch and maybe I could take inspiration from that, probably be Princess Mononoke because I feel like it kind of delves into some of the philosophy a little bit more and some of the magic and, and mythology a little bit more. So that's why I picked that. 
I think um, we should probably end it on this note <laughs> before we start, you know, disagreeing and agreeing because I'm, I'm starting to agree with what you said as well. But I'm, I'm keeping my loyalties to um, Wolfwalkers. So um, unless anyone else wants to say some last words. That's perfect. I think we've went through it as well. Alana? No, I've, I've nothing else to say. I've kind of covered everything I wanted to cover. Great. Um, so I guess that's our podcast for the week. I hope you've all enjoyed it. And thanks for everyone else for listening. We hopefully didn't bore you too much, but go and watch the films if you haven't. 